Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Who Art Thou podcast. I'm your host Barrett Carlin and speaking with me on this episode is my good friend Jim Fuller. Jim is a photographer and graffiti artist based in Dublin amongst other visual outputs and you may know him from his Instagram page Dirty Dublin. Um, he also works with Subsets, we'll be chatting about some of the work they've done but for the majority of this episode we'll be chatting about Jim and his work, what inspires him, his love for photography and graffiti amongst other topics such as like the need for public art spaces in Dublin and basically what it's like living as an artist in Ireland. Uh, he's an immensely talented uh, artist. It was great to have him on. He's a good friend of mine. So I really hope he's enjoyed the episode. And here's the theme music by Zach Stevenson. Okay, uh, so we'll begin then. Uh, so I have today, I have my uh, uh, best buddy, Jim Fuller, over here with school friends. And uh, he is a, would we say, visual artist, Jim? Is that what, what the umbrella term that we'll give you? <laughs> uh, a creative. A creative. Is what people often say these days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, as, <laughs> yeah, no, creative creative and visual art is the two that I keep hearing. I like, what does that even mean? But because um, isn't all art kind of visual? But um, so I think like exactly for people who, who aren't aware, you're obviously you're the photographer at Dirty Dublin on uh, Instagram and uh, you are also a street artist and and work for a subset. So I say like the first kind of t- I kind of I don't know where to start with photography or street art with you, because I think they kind of amalgamate into they kind of feed off each other in terms of early influences from what I know. Yeah. From what I know anyway. So it's like how we'll go, we'll we'll go street art first. Like how did the interest in street art start? Um, yeah, it started pretty young, I think, um, probably around 15 years old. We got not interested in street art, but more interested in graffiti. Yeah. Um, and that kind of thing. Um, when we were, you know, young and looking for something interesting to do, that was a little bit bold. Um, <laughs> so it was a kind of uh, stemmed from a few people in the school and people I knew in the area that were interested in it. And I'd seen it around for a long time growing mm. up. And I'd always wondered who was doing it, what was the story, why. So I kind of had a vested interest from a young age. And then when I got the opportunity to kind of explore it a bit, I jumped at it. Um, and luckily found a few friends that were into it. Uh, so kind of slowly but surely found my feet and made friends and got yeah, interested yeah. into painting. Um, so it was kind of a weird one, you know, when you're that young and you don't really know what you're doing, you're kind of, a lot of people are kind of confused and stuff. So it was a great outlet and gave me a good kind of, sense of uh friendship and camaraderie and stuff going out and doing some interesting things that normal people as such weren't doing yeah because i remember coming out with you one day and it was definitely a, a different way to spend a saturday than the normal one we went down to exactly black, yeah. black rock baths i think was for do you remember those i was the first yeah, time ever actually seeing do, yeah. kind of um like good graffiti in a, in a sense that like it wasn't just you know um like a spray up with terrible lettering and just kind of words that you know like it was you're sitting with your friends and you're kind of like no there is actually like a system to this like you can't have certain letters beside each other almost like typography with graffiti but then like the colors exactly, and stuff yeah. like that and the shadings and everything and i was like this is much more than just and like me as an artist myself like i was like this is much more than just some lad with a spray can just going you know fuck on the wall which is exactly like, yeah and it's it, interesting that you see um a lot of graphic designers typographers photographers come from a graffiti background mm. and that's where their interest is born you know, the, the study of letter structure, 
spacing, the visual impact of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At a young age, often feeds into people's careers then in college and stuff, you know. In, a, in you know, from what I see, a huge amount of graphic designers that I like all came from a graffiti associated background. So That's it's true. interesting to see that kind of correlation. But even when it was like NCAD had that wall that you were allowed to paint up and it was just like, it was like, you know, like, like a very good artist doing very, 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 very good graffiti that they've been practicing for years. Like it do, they do kind of lend itself into each other. But um, I'm just trying to actually, what was kind of, because what was some early, like, could you name any, some of your early influences, like artist wise? Because I remember when I was like 16 and stuff, the only artist that came to mind with graffiti was Banksy. And then being with a couple of people who were into graffiti and then saying Banksy and having the head torn off me. It's <laughs> saying that he's like, yeah, he's like yeah, there's it's better. There, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's much better guys than that. <laughs> like, who I know, can, that's the thing. Well, Banksy was, has always been the mainstream character. So a lot of people try and, you know, move away from that. Yeah. Um, so in terms of influences, it was mostly kind of, people around me in terms of like Irish art, there was a lot of people who were doing some really cool stuff. Hmm. Um, so when we were like around 2006, 2007, there was a huge push of graffiti. Um, so there was a lot of guys I'm trying to think of names of tags. Um, people, people like aches has always been a, a great one. Um, and then kind of more old school heads like the RFA crew, UEK crew, ICN, all those kind of guys were pushing boundaries at that age when we were very young. So we mm. kind of tried to emulate them and copy them in a way as we were learning. So a lot of the stuff, early stuff that we were all doing, you know, it's pretty bad, but you can see the influences <laughs> from what they were doing back then. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, and then like you'd see videos and stuff online as well of international artists doing crazy stuff mm. like people in uh, los angeles new york australia um so we looked up to those guys a lot as well i remember you were on the latin trip weren't you in school i was yeah, yeah, yeah. do you remember going do you remember in naples the level yeah. of graffiti on the walls when you're going on the motorways yeah yeah oh my no, god that was crazy like, crazy crazy stuff yeah 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 and it was amazing no, like to Italy see it covered covered yeah <laughs> like every like even the yeah. trains all the trains were completely covered on the side like it was i remember completely, seeing it going yeah. like yeah. this and is very uh, the, the part of the where they still are oh they still are yeah yeah every no, it's, city in, yeah yeah <laughs> and then you go to ireland and it's just like there's nowhere near the level of which will tie into Nothing, a conversation no. later on but um so like then with uh photography now because i i i would i would say that it probably lent itself to it because graffiti you want to document it and stuff like uh early in, it did, yeah yeah like how, how did the photography thing come about like more than just you know just the so essentially work? yeah um it started out where we were kind of going to cool places a lot we'd jump into abandoned factories or abandoned spaces um and explore around and even not so much it started out with graffiti but a lot of the time then we just started exploring these places just mm. to find cool stuff um and i wanted to document it because not many of my friends were kind of documenting it at the time. So I saved up a bit of money from a summer job and bought a camera, a really bad one from Argos. <laughs> and um, just started taking photos of everything. Yeah, just kind of, they weren't, they weren't good, but they were, they were, you know, the locations and what we were getting up to kind of made them good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, slowly but surely as I started learning about actually the, you know, mechanics of taking a photo, I got more and more interested in that side of it than the art side as such and started to kind of move that direction. Yeah. And uh, like, did you, did, you didn't start off with film photography, did you? Was that, that was later, was it? Um, kind of indirectly. I had an old film camera in the house and at the time film was very cheap to um, shoot on. Deals used to sell one euro fifty rolls of film. Oh, I remember was, that. Yeah, cheap. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so we used to go in there and, and you know get ten rolls for fifteen euro, and um, that would do you, you know. And then 
so that you know i had a free old camera lying around the house and then film was cheap Mm. and a friend of mine used to work in fujifilm and we go in after hours and develop the film oh no way for free so (laughs) yes we had a little workaround so it wasn't expensive compared to nowadays um so i kind of we kind of did shoot a lot of film in the beginning and then slowly as i bought a good digital camera i moved on to kind of digital yeah and then i've come full circle back to film now you know, I have to say, like, um, I wasn't, I was never, like, I would take photos, but, like, not to the, you know, the extent of going, like, I'm a photographer. But um, I remember when the first time yeah. I actually got to make your own photos in the darkroom, there is something extremely satisfying about, see, like, trying to burn in the images in certain parts and then taking them out. Um, it's such a cool experience exactly, to yeah. get it done, yeah. You see the whole, because you see the whole thing kind of just from from taking it to being manufactured and then having it in front of you, you know, it's fant- it's a fantastic feeling um yeah it's a real process you know yeah, it's yeah hands yeah. on um and there's something very um interesting in like you only have a certain amount of photographs on a digital camera you can take ten thousand photos a day if you want to mm. so you, you're limited and it's um quite a thought a thoughtful process where you have to focus on what you're doing while you're doing it and then, you know, you have to work through to get the results that you want to get at the end. So there's something very um, mechanical and kind of basic about it in that way that it's been done for a hundred and something years yeah, yeah, in that kind of way. Whereas in the, you know, the now the digital age, everybody with their phones and cameras and digital cameras are just firing away as many as they can. They don't think about it. You know, it's changed the way people shoot. Do you know, it's funny you mention that because I was, I was uh, reading an interview with Joel Meyerowitz, the, um, I think he's based, he was based in New York. He was one of the photographers that was allowed to photograph was, yeah, yeah. 9-11, but he was talking about how, um, because he's a street photographer. I don't know why I'm saying this to you, like of mm-hmm. all the people, but um, he, uh, <laughs> a street photographer yourself, like you do a lot of stuff in the streets, but he was actually saying that mobile phones, because that everybody now has access to them, they've kind of... Uh, he referred to as they've uh, taken away the sexiness of taking photos on the street was the term that he used. And he, he's like, he's like the idea of standing there and knowing how to craft a simple candid photo of a street. He goes, is a very, is a very kind of weird thing that we're somehow losing just with the over saturation of people taking photos all the time. So I just wondering like, how did you learn like to how to craft, like, you know, how to craft the proper shot? Like, like what kind of influence did you take on it originally when you started shooting? Yeah. Like it's funny you mentioned Joel Meyerowitz cause he's definitely one of those influences in terms of street photography. Like if you, there's a documentary called everybody street, that's a brilliant one to watch. And they go through loads of New York based kind of street photographers and, and all those people, I think like, you know, how they start out is they just shoot a lot. Yeah. And what you do, you know, you slowly, the first kind of batch of photos you're going to take aren't going to be great, but slowly and surely as you go through it, you kind of find the photos you like and the, the different kind of style that you want to go for. So kind of, I think it just comes with practice and then just kind of narrowing in on what you want to capture. Mm. So slowly but surely you build up your confidence and your own style. And, you know, yeah, I think that's the main thing. And looking at a lot of other people's work and taking bits and pieces from that, um, you kind of just slowly but surely figure out, you know, who you are, or why you want to take yeah, photos. Yeah, what do, yeah. Um, yeah exactly and like people like that you know he's world famous um and has been doing it for years but you know he you look at all his photos and they're amazing but you know the first five years of him taking photos <laughs> could have been terrible you know i'd love to see built them up, actually built yeah. up, built up through his career <laughs> yeah yeah but sure see, that's it's, the thing you know like, people always get down well but i think uh, a lot of the time that people kind of um over overthink the concept of some things as well like, uh, like say for like, it has to be, you know, this whole, you know, l- lens flare fucking shit or so like, it just has to be something. And it's like, even something as simple as like Willie Doherty, I think was a photographer from Northern Ireland. Was he from Northern Ireland? He took photos in Northern Ireland, but all he took was photos of burnt out cars. That's it. But mm. it, there's something extremely yeah. simple and you know, it, like it, it just, as long as you, and it's the same, but like Nan Golding, for example, is another prime example. She just took photos of her mates, yeah. I think was her prime thing. 
and that was but she took thousands of thousands of photos yeah yeah but that's the thing you know i think there's a lot to be said for the simplicity in a photograph um so you know something like a burnt out car to a hundred different people that tells a hundred different stories of how that you know that could have ended up there um and i think you know people nowadays are obsessed with gear and you know the complexity of technology and trying to make you do mental things with drones and cameras and 3d (laughs) and all that and i feel like the narrative or the the basic story can get lost a little bit in that you know um all that kind of it's kind of fluff for like, like it is cool stuff you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. but in in terms of storytelling it can be it can just be a bit of fluff um so you know and i think i find like a lot of the photos of just people and their mates or you know people doing things people on the back of the bus people do you know elves doing their shopping whatever it is mm-hmm. you know they've at the time might not seem like much but find their importance as years go by yeah you know it's a it's a document documentation of a time and a place and you know some of those things like for me having not you know i wasn't around in the 70s and 80s i'm it's mind-blowing every photo i'm like what that's amazing i can't (laughs) believe that happened but at the time you know it was just a a fairly you know normal photo of somebody doing yeah. their day-to-day thing but even so the, i kind of find that interesting that aspect in, interesting as well like even just looking at the clothes of somebody on o'connell street in the 1980s like is is very kind of like it's that that kind of stuff it, i i'd be like you i would kind of think that documentation photography is is that would be my personal if i was to look up look up any hours that that's what i'd be pursuing so i'm just kind of like uh what would you like when you go out now with your like what would you be looking for are you just looking for just everyday life or like how do you go about taking the photo essentially yeah it's interesting i try and first and foremost go out um a lot of the time with nothing particular in my mind of kind of photo i want to get so i'll go for a big long walk around town or a certain area i often just pick different areas that I haven't been to in a while. Mm. I go for a big walk around and just see what I can find, see what catch, catches my eye and go from there. And just often I'll, you know, I'll come across something and I'll stop and I'll go, okay, yeah, and I'll do, you know, I'll walk around it and I'll take my time and I'll try and find an interesting angle. Or could this be, I see an interesting person mm. and I kind of follow them for 10 seconds and get a photo. <laughs> but then there's also... Yeah, I've been creeped with the camera walking around <laughs> looking at people. But, um, well, you're not going around try, with a big fucking giant thing out to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I try and be incognito, but I do I do have a fairly big camera. It's a big medium format. Oh, really? So it is, oh, I thought you were taking obvious, on that little... Like, yeah, yeah. I thought you were taking the little... Sometimes taking on that little... Um, that uh, film camera that you took my photos on. So you you go around with you, the medium format one? Yeah, fairly big medium format camera. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so it can be a bit... Uh, interesting. I get some weird <laughs> looks sometimes, um, but I try and be as incognito as possible. I don't want people to know that they're getting photographed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the point. It's kind of keep it candid, keep it as honest as possible. Um, but then otherwise, I'm kind of looking for things. Uh, you know, a lot a big focus of mine at the moment, and I know everybody's talking about it, is kind of the the cultural uh, battle that's happening in Dublin at the moment mm. for. Um, you know, buildings, public spaces, uh, small independent business, all that kind of thing uh, is getting kind of pushed out by uh, big business, you know, hotels, the likes yeah. of press up, buying up lots of stuff. Um, you know, so I'm trying to capture some of the those small little things that have been around for a long time, you know, longer than I've been alive. Yeah, yeah. But they probably won't outlive me. You know, yeah, they won't. They don't have that long left. There's not young people coming in to, to take over these little local shops. Or it's not so much a family business anymore. So I'm trying to capture those things that you know, unfortunately, are on their last legs. Yeah, it seems. like the things that make um, the city actually unique. Like exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. You know, there's so much culture uh, and beauty in Dublin. Good and there's good and bad things as well. Um, but it just feels like you know, the Grand Canal docks kind of. Facebook, Google, all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is what the government are focused on and not the actual people, uh, you know, the everyday people that need their, you know, businesses and community to survive. No, so I, be- I like to kind of look at that. Yeah. 
No, but like I'll be with you there entirely as well. Like there's nothing worse than going to like if you go to if you go abroad, like I'm not going to name and shame cities, but um, like she, my sister went to a city in Spain and she says that it was the most soulless place ever because all it was was just these like it, it visually it looks fantastic from a distance like it's these huge you know mm. these huge buildings this huge everything and she goes but it's just a business sector all of it's just a business sector and for a city that's as fun to go around or was as fun to go around as dublin like it'd be a shame to think that like you couldn't even go yeah. into a pub where which the where the design of it isn't the exact same as a pub that's up the road do you know that kind of that kind of thing like not a saying that you exactly, can't not yeah. saying that everything has to be a pub but that 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 kind of idea or even no, into like an old-timey it, record store example. or something like anything like that. All of that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's it. And I think as well, it's important for a city to survive and thrive. People need to live in the city centre. Um, you know, so putting up all these office blocks and hotels and stuff doesn't do anything for the actual yeah, culture yeah. Um, and buzz of a city, you know. Like all these commuter cities, you see like a lot of cities in LA and stuff, they're just motorways and... Um, office buildings and high rises yeah. and stuff. Not a lot of people get to live in the city center. Um, so I think, you know, that kind of thing is starting to happen in Dublin where it's getting people are getting pushed out of the city. And but, then, you know, the place does come a bit soulless. You but, know? but it's not people, even the big, yeah, sorry, sorry for going over you, Jim. Sorry, the down Zoom link. Not at all. But it's like the, uh, the it's not even like the extent of, um, like, I think the pandemic, uh, if I think the pandemic has taught us anything is that we don't actually need all of it as well. Like I was, um, myself and Chloe were walking by the three arena and that, the, the, you know, the big high rise buildings and all these offices were entirely empty. And I was like, well, the, like, you know, some people, you don't, some people, there's proof that some jobs can actually be done from home. Like I'd ima- I know not every job can be done from yeah. home. People need to be in offices and stuff like that as well. But to the, to the level of extent where it's like, there's a new hotel going in here, there's a new building going in here, then there's another hotel. And you're like, why is this, there's no need for all of this that's been put in. No, that's the thing, you know, the, and it's the kind of the point that people do make a lot. But, um, you know, you build so many hotels and you get rid of so many things, people are going to stop coming yeah. because there'll be nothing <laughs> to do. You know, so then you just have a lot of pointless hotels around the place. Um. And I know it's a kind of topic that it's a hot topic at the moment. Yeah. But it is kind of an important one because, you know, I always felt feel that as a small island nation, we have such a good opportunity to do things right. Mm. But we just never seem to get anything <laughs> right. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. we've, like we've we, the, the whole country has the population of some city, like some small cities in, in Europe and America yeah. that are amazing. And, you know, we just don't seem to have the foresight uh, to build, you know, the infrastructure and, and, you know, feed the kind of city. And it's also kind of sad that we're known as kind of a country of saints and, or not saints and scholars, but, you know, poets and yeah. uh, artists. But then, you know, nowadays it doesn't seem like there's much um, being done for that yeah, kind yeah. of industry, especially musicians, all the rest. Um so it's yeah, it's just kind of an interesting time at the moment where we're not sure what direction we're going in. Yeah, um, which I think ties into my next uh, comment. Like how did you? Because like what Subset and like you know the Gray Area Project, what they're doing at the moment is fantastic. So I'm just wondering how did you get involved with them uh, to begin with? Um, originally I just I had a couple of friends that were involved and. Um, managed to kind of get wiggle my way in there to do a, a couple of odd jobs and kind of did a bit of an internship so I kind of just slowly but surely wriggled my way into um the conversation there and yeah. slowly but surely got my way in but um yeah the, the the projects they kind of did over the last few years are great showing that the kind of Dublin City Council uh, view of everything has to have permission everything needs to be um signed off on and curated yeah uh, isn't the way to run a city at all you know you need freedom of expression and the right to be able to do something you know if you have a permission from a from a um property owner to paint something you should be able to do it without having to get it signed off on i understand the protected structure thing you know yeah if there's a in Georgian building, you're not going to paint on it. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but yeah, the, and so the Grey Area Project back in the day kind of fizzled out a little bit now. 
with the pandemic and stuff and mm. kind of subsets changed tack to a different a different direction but um yeah it was a great kind of uh, showcase of what can be done with a little bit of group effort um and support of like communities and people willing to kind of give up spaces for art um in the public realm yeah because you know? a lot of the time you know it, a lot of people are kind of might be intimidated by going up to the rha or uh ima and stuff you know they are accessible but uh it, you know a gallery art can kind of seem a bit stuffy or inaccessible to the general public so it's nice to be able to bring that to the streets and give different artists uh, a platform mm. that they can kind of show their stuff so that's kind of where it started out um, trying to add a bit, little bit of colour to the dreary Dublin <laughs> <laughs> skyline, you know. Piss and rain all the time, like. Yeah, yeah. But um, Half the time you can't even paint because it's raining. Yeah, because it's raining, yeah. But like, it's it's one of those things because yeah. it was like, uh, in preparation for this, I was, I was, you know, I was kind of uh, reminding my brain about what stuff has been done. And I came across an article on... Um, about the Michael D. Higgins one and the one of Mrs. Doyle being taken down and being painted over within, like, I think it only got like, um, it didn't, it wasn't up lawn anyway before it was painted down. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the person who actually is shop, I think was attached to the wall was interviewed and she was like, she goes, the thing that the Dublin city council aren't actually, rep- uh, aren't actually notifying as well. Like they do have a knock on effect in that it does attract like is people going into a temple bar it does attract tours but it also works as a deterrent to stop people fecking doing anti-social behavior next to the piece because there's so many people looking at the piece she's like that's another example mm. i'm not saying that we should have a bunch of murals up to stop people urinating against walls but you know like it's it's <laughs> so it is like it's it's the, i don't really see if you own a shop front and it's just a bait it's just a flat wall and you've given permission for someone to paint on it. i don't know why you have to go get the county council involved to, to approve it and then they're able to take it down as long as it's not a big you know big feckin penis or something on the side of the wall <laughs> like how could you yeah. how could you argue? i think as well it's yeah sorry go on jim i think as well you know there was a problem with a lot of advertisement and stuff oh, which i right. kind of understand you know yeah. if you're painting a big you know budweiser ad or something that's a different story mm. um so there is like you know the distinction needs to be made there a little bit between something like that you know where it's mrs doyle you know that's just it's a just, bit of fun you know i, I don't understand if it was almost. maybe you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly or if it was uh you know compared to an maybe an ad an ad for something um so yeah i can see both sides when it comes to that thing but when it's so you know a portrait of mrs doyle like or know, the president of ireland anybody having a problem. <laughs> yeah why would anybody have a problem with that you know do, do you know what? i know i didn't see this today either actually I, like i saw this i remember seeing the stormsy mural when it was open i was like this thing is incredible but i never saw the add-on thing that they did of the lad painting over with the gray brush because that got taken to the stormsy mural's yeah, gone yeah. now as well isn't it or is that still the there? whole thing? Well, the no. building's been demolished yeah. altogether. Oh, right. So okay. that's gone. That's that's an office block or something now. Um, but uh, yeah, there was they they kind of started w- once the council uh, started giving out about that, they started to kind of play on the grey um, paint color and started to do a few kind of artworks leading towards that, and then that's kind of where the grey area project. Yeah came in be, yeah. uh, as a kind of response to that kind of um you know dublin city council reaction um because like you know the wall before was literally just nothing a cin- like you know a cinder block gray concrete oh, block yeah. wall that did nothing for anybody <laughs> um so you know yeah it's, a, it, it's an interesting uh kind of insight to the Dublin City Council attitude towards things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, just actually speaking of pieces, like, what would what would be the favorite? What would be the favorite piece that you were involved in? Um, I'm not too sure. I probably the best project overall was that we went to Colorado. Um, oh, I remember to this. Yeah, paint a mural uh, as part of a mural festival. Um, so we spent over for a couple of weeks uh, and painted the back of a big brewery. Uh, building downtown Denver with the big um, it was an artwork based on microplastics uh, that were under a microscope 
um, yeah. that we found down at the beach. So we kind of blew it up and made it into an artwork. But um, that experience in general, getting to travel, um, which at the, at the same time we re- kind of realized as we were in doing it, it didn't make a lot of sense to do a piece about the climate and then fly to America <laughs> to do it. But look, we won't, uh, <laughs> Hindsight's a perfect we thing, uh, isn't it? Yeah. We won't worry about that. Yeah, we won't worry about that too much. But it was a thought that counted anyway. <laughs> But it is like I have to say, like the thing with this, um, with the street art ad that Subset are doing and yourself and all are involved in, it it has the perception of it. I think in in, in Ireland has changed quite a considerable bit to when we would have been going around Blackrock. Uh, like the, the I think people are what, like what would you, actually I just ask yourself what do you think? How do you think the perception has changed in the last ten years? Would you say since since you started into what it is now? Of how people yeah, perceive it. No, it's interesting because. Yeah, when we started painting graffiti or you know being interested in street art and stuff, there was none. None of it was really around. There was um, maybe two or three artworks around Dublin, um, and then in the last ten years, it's exploded. But it's exploded worldwide as well. It's not just a, uh, in Dublin, uh, and that probably has a lot to do with the internet and social media and stuff. You know, it's kind of caught on. But I think generally it it's received very well um um but i am quite aware of the fact as well like it's you know you're getting into areas uh we're getting kind of get you know the word gentrification and stuff comes <laughs> yeah. up um which is what you know the negative of it you know you, you don't want to be going into an area and kind of doing a mural and then you know oh suddenly it's a that's a cool and trendy area for you know people to come in and start building apartments and stuff yeah, so yeah, yeah. You, you have to kind of approach it in an informed way as much as possible um but i think overall people you know are engaging much more like when we're painting out on the street we get 99 percent um positive remarks the only kind of negative ones we get are our ladies go, would you not, would you not do the Virgin Mary yeah. on the wall there? Or, you know, or lads going, that's not Conor McGregor. You should change it. Or, you know, that kind of thing. But there's most, most part it's very positive. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine how, how badly aged a Conor McGregor mirror would have been? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, not a great look. Not a good look. No. Um, <laughs> So, like, actually, just um, how would you recommend uh, to some to somebody now trying to get into, you know, graffiti or street art? What would be what would be a legal recommendation you would say for how them to get into it, <laughs> rather than going up and tagging out somebody else's work? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, YouTube is a great start before you buy anything or go out. So, watching um, some YouTube videos, watching like some documentaries, movies like Style Wars. Mm. Uh, which is an 80s documentary by Martha Cooper and Henry Chalfon uh, about the New York, the birth of graffiti in New York and that kind of thing. So, and then you can, there's, there's millions of videos to watch um, to kind of just get a bit of an education about it as a start, because yeah. that's the most important thing that a lot of people don't understand. They think it's just, a, you know, uh, a bit of fun and games, um, but there's kind of a, like an un- unwritten rule book um, as such that is good to kind of learn from the start. And then going into a shop like All City Records in Temple Bar and picking up some paint um, and a sketchbook or that, you know, something like that. Oh, I forgot about the sketchbooks, uh, yeah. And then there's loads of legal walls around town, um, you know, the laneway behind the old Bernard Shaw pub. Um, there's a laneway behind Whelan's that you can paint in. So there's loads of little spots that you can go legally and yeah. practice um, where you won't, you know, you won't, uh, you won't, get, you know, get in trouble for painting over anything that's too important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- does, so that's probably the best start, but, uh, you know. Does All City still do the jams? Obviously, they haven't been able to do them over COVID, but um, they're still an annual thing. Or? They haven't, well, they ha- it used to be in the Tivoli Theatre Car Park, oh, yeah. which is obviously now... Uh, a bill to rent apart hotel <laughs> apartment block whatever the hell it is um but the they do still do ir- kind of irregular jams um but not not in the same not in the same space uh, way that it used to be because the yeah the tivoli car park was perfect 
you know, they used to have like skateboarding, breakdancing. Um, they used to get international artists and like that would have been a huge influence for all the young people back yeah, then. Yeah, I remember when they were on um, when I was younger. You know, what, yeah, like when, when you're 14, you get to go into town, see loads of people painting, meet other people your age and then get, you know, the legends that you look up to to sign your book or get a sticker from them or whatever, those little cool things. It definitely promoted it and reinforced it as a, like a positive thing to get into for us at a young age. Um, so those, yeah, I wish they'd come back. We just need to find a good space for them, I think. Yeah, it's like it's it's funny that you mentioned the Tivoli now because um, the Tivoli for me was one of the best uh, venues to go for a, a metal band, believe it or not, to see live. But it was always cool, like when, you know, when like, you know, when the band goes off and to go out and just be in the Tivoli car park, like if you want to have a smoke or something and just seeing the crazy level of art that was around that space. That was a real, I forgot about that, actually. That was a, that was a bad one to lose now. It was such, it was such a cool spot. Yeah, even, big time. Yeah, even when they had like um, the little, I don't know if they had like techno nights, whatever, like it was, it was a, cla- the Tivoli was an amazing spot to go to. It's a damn shame. Is it? Is it a hotel now? It's I can't remember yeah. what they put in what its place. It's um. I think it's. I think it's a part hotel. Part, you know yeah. those little kind of uh, rooms that have a little kitchenette. Yeah. Um, yeah or no. whatever. Yeah. I know what you um, mean. But yeah, no, they used to be great. They used to have the District Eight uh, venue there, so they'd have techno nights and stuff. And then they used to do. They did. I think they used to do um, kind of like the mother block party or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Or something. There was some big event that they used to do in the car park where they'd have a big stage. Um, so yeah, that was, it was a really, um, useful venue to have, Yeah, you know, class. In, in town. I remember side note, um, what was it? Bringing, uh, Mark, uh, our friend Mark to see, he got really drunk one night and I was like, he's like, uh, I was getting headshots done at his house and he was like, um, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to the Tivoli. And he goes to what? I was like, I'm going to a concert. He's like, who's the band? I was like, Cannibal Corpse. But at this point, he was really drunk and he just went, I'll go to that. And I was like, what? And he's like, I'll go to that. And I was like, all right. And uh, so get him there, bring him in. And he sobers up by the time that the gig starts. So all he can see is just, you know, the <laughs> when he comes in, he's like, who the fuck was that? <laughs> and I was like, that was a band called Man Must Die. And he's like, what type of gig are we going to? I thought we were going to like a pop gig. And I was like, no, we're going to see... The main band's called Cannibal Corpse. And he's like, oh, fuck. One of the best shows <laughs> I ever had of my entire life. One of the worst shows of his entire life. Worst, every time he yeah. came every time he came <laughs> out of the mosh pit, he would just get pushed right back into it. <laughs> Class experience. Yeah, he doesn't have the upper body strength to fight his way no, out. No, no. And you can imagine, like, these lads were the big, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a heavy concert. <laughs> yeah. Um... Oh no, the Tivoli was a fantastic space. I suppose, like, if I asking you how how to get into, um, you know, street art and graffiti and all that kind of stuff, how would you recommend? How would you say for somebody uh, to try and get into photography? Like, what would be the uh, what would be say, kind of some tips? Um, yeah, I think pretty similar kind of thing. Um, yeah, you know, gear and stuff isn't important when you're starting out. So, kind of whatever camera you can get your hands on, if it's an old film camera that your mom or dad has lying around the house or you know a cheap digital camera even your phone yeah will do you know a lot of phones nowadays have pro settings so you can change all the iso and aperture and stuff so you can mess around with that and just get an idea for it but i think that's you know going out and just kind of taking some photographs um and exploring um your area even just your area whatever yeah. it is uh you know you kind of find that it's a very therapeutic thing to do. You can, like, my favorite thing to do is put earphones in, listen to a podcast or some music, and just go for a big walk. Mm. Sometimes I don't even take any photos. <laughs> but, you know... Yeah, but you, the, the feeling the, you get, of, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, the excitement you get when you get to look through the photos and you get some really good ones, um, kind of, that'll spur you on. But I think, yeah, just kind of, you know, take taking the first step to kind of go and take some considered photos rather than just, you know, the usual night out ones or photos of your dog. Yeah. yeah. But go and, uh, you know, take some time, think about it. And then, yeah, like watching, watching a couple of documentaries on YouTube. Um, and that kind of thing. There's, there's hundreds of YouTubers that are really good, at, you know, 
giving you the basics of what you need to start out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically the same for me now. Like, even though I've been doing it for years, I still go back to YouTube to learn how to do most things. And, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of just, you know, it's it, it's been there with me from the beginning all the way through. Yeah, well, you can never learn too much. Do you know what I mean? Like, you need to top up every so often. Do you know what was the, the one thing that I had with photography when trying to actually, you know, learn how to take photos is getting over the whole when you're sitting there taking a photo, worrying that someone's looking at you while taking it or that they're going to be do you know like just just take your time and actually take the photo rather than because i would kind of you know i'd have a nice shot and then if somebody was happens to be in frame looks at it i would go okay and then walk away and they come back to the same spot like 10 minutes later it's like that's ridiculous just take the fucking photo like <laughs> if you have the shot yeah, take yeah, it like <laughs> yeah it can be tricky it's hard yeah. to kind of get your confidence up and figure out what you want to do <laughs> but um there's a, like another good way to kind of learn um and what I used to do at the start was go to kind of meetups. There's quite a few kind of photography meetups around the place where they just pick a location, go and shoot around. Um, so when I first started out um, and actually started like trying to really take photographs um, and I kind of started like looking back now, I started out, I was taking really touristy photos of Dublin, like sunsets, <laughs> and the two chimneys yeah. and, you know, just, throwing the saturation uploads and trying to make it as dramatic as possible. Um, but then going to like meetups and meeting other people my own age and kind of starting to build a community around it um, kind of got me into my, a bit more comfortable and actually made some good friends from it. Um, and then I started to kind of learn from people around me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, yeah, you kind of figure out, you find your own feet then. Um, and it's always nice to be able to go, on a Saturday morning, text somebody and say, if you're around town, let's go and take a couple of photographs. Take a few shots, yeah. So that's a great way to kind of, yeah. And then uh, uh, we touched on a little bit about the public spaces. I would say, like, what would you say would be kind of the most difficult hurdle getting over in terms of being an artist based based in Ireland? Um, at the moment, for me anyway, in terms of in a professional sense, it's just, it's definitely hard to make uh consistent mm. living out of making art um unless you end up getting lucky and maybe working with an agency or a company um where you have a full-time nine-to-five job yeah. it's very hard to be out on your own kind of freelancing uh and making art um because a lot of people like it i think it's a very dublin thing or irish thing at the moment because artists in london um or other cities can actually get well paid for their um work mm. you know they're valued uh whereas we're not at that level yet i think in dublin um so i think you know may being able to devote your time fully to art whatever it may be like musician uh, designers you know fine art painters street artists, photographers, videographers, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> no worries. <laughs> um, no worries. Sorry, I just have a little take on my throat. Take, yeah, no, I know exactly how it feels. Don't worry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just get being consistent um, with jobs and, you know, there is uh, funding available. The Arts Council are great, but it's just the, um, you know, limited amount of opportunity that's around at the moment um for people be, you know just makes it hard to pay rent in the city where like you know everything's so expensive yeah. at the moment um yeah so and it's like being a musician um or an artist photographer all those things are expensive in their own right you know to produce all this stuff and make it happen um and then, you know, you're trying to either work another job yeah. to pay your bills um, or just about surviving. Um, you know, literally, like, yeah, there's know, so many like people I know that like are... 50 quid a week. Like, it's so difficult. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but luckily, you know, it's starting to get a bit better. The, the government have announced um, a basic income trial that they're going to do with artists. 
don't know if you heard about this. No, I don't think I have. Doing, it's kind of like the PUP they did during the pandemic, um, where they're going to applications haven't opened yet. I think they're, I think they're still trialing it, but um, a certain amount. I'm not sure exactly how many, but let's just say a thousand. Yeah. Um, a thousand positions uh, where the government are going to pay. I think it's three hundred euro a week as a basic income for artists to Ooh. be able to create uh do you know create their work without having to worry um about you know having a, a part-time job or you know um paying their bills yeah been actually able to live so that's house. great that's a great first step you know um yeah so i think the what needs the basic steps would be subsidized studios uh you know creative hubs that are subsidized by the government um be it music or you know, artist studios or photo studios, and um, just to make it affordable to create stuff. Yeah. You know, to also um, have the comfort of actually having a drive. Do you know what I mean? I find like if you're if you're bogged down with worrying about stuff, you're not going to be able to think critically or or uh, creatively at all. So it kind of adds just that little bit of exactly. Breathing and you room. just get burnt out. Yeah, because yeah. you because yeah, then you just get burnt out eventually, and a lot of people stop. But like it, that's it, it would lead to just like um like ge- uh, generic art rather than actual kind of you know having the space to because having the space to actually be like okay I can do something creative or I can do something that I know is a kind of a creative push that kind of gets me money but it's the same thing that you know every Tom Dick and Harry is doing as well do you know that kind of it just gives you that space to be comfortable in your own skin in terms of like focusing on what type of outlet you out- output you want to have. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think art created for money or, you know, with that in mind, isn't, you know, its purest form. It's, you know, you should be able to create stuff without having to, you know, worry about selling it as such. Yeah. Because I think when it's created with that in mind, it, you know, it just does become generic. It becomes, you know, the same thing over and over. And mm. um, so I think, you know, the, the main focus of an artist should be to create stuff for whatever reason it is they're creating it in the first place and not so much for monetary gain although you know that's also nice yeah no monetary gain like well like i'm a designer so most of the time i do have to paint do stuff for you know stuff but i do like do, like i do like having the 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 headspace to work on shit that i actually want to actually do and create and all that kind of carry on but uh not saying that all designers yeah. are all money but like it is it is you are being told you're you're being told what to do for someone else so <laughs> you know what i mean in terms of a graphic design position. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Everyone has to pay yeah, their bills. Yeah. yeah, everyone has to pay their yeah. bills. I, I do loads of, you know, on jobs that uh, I wouldn't love to be doing or whatever, but, you know, yeah. bills have to be paid. But uh, so, Jim, like my final question to you is, um, now we've, you've, you've, might have, you've probably covered it already, but what is, what, is your, uh, what is the thing you love most about making the art that you make? Um, I think for me... It's getting to put my own um, kind of eye or little bit of a stamp on the, you know, the city or the world. Mm. Um, I think that taking photos gives me a great opportunity to kind of uh, explore the world uh, as I see it and try to, you know, visually uh, represent myself and how i see things yeah so i get really excited when i you know when people engage with that um and it, the same goes t- towards art and painting i just think that uh the engagement from people whether it's just you know a nice comment of that looks nice or someone tells stops and tells you a story for 20 minutes mm. and it you know <laughs> it's nothing to do with anything but they're you know just kind of dealing with people um and like it's the same with the like some of the photos. Like I put up a photo a while ago of one of the old newspaper sellers on O'Connell Street. I saw that. And someone yeah, messaged me saying photo. that the guy talking to him was his uncle, and then you know went off in a big thing, and we were chatting for ages. <laughs> and then I said, you know, I sent him the photo and stuff. So you know yeah, that kind lovely, of thing yeah. where I get to engage people and find out stories, um, and uh, kind of just bring bring something. To people's lives that maybe uh if i was doing something else you know i wouldn't wouldn't have that impact um so i think it's just yeah engaging with people 
in any form. Uh, even even when they give it out to me, <laughs> you know, that can be that can be a bit of fun as well, you know. Um, so I, yeah, I think I think that's it. I think just dealing with people overall. Yeah, it was a fantastic answer. Um, so like where uh, where before we go, we obviously we have to get where where can everybody find your work online and stuff. Yeah, so my Instagram is Dirty Dublin, and then my website is uh, in the bio there. It's dirtydublinphotography.com. Um, and that, they're my main um, sources at the moment, but I'm working on a couple of projects. I'm going to have an exhibition uh, in uh, towards the end of February. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Um, which is my first kind of solo exhibition. It's nothing big. I'm just kind of taking baby steps. But that's going to be just off Clan Brazel Street. Um, but more info will be available on my Instagram. And then my big project that I'm working on at the moment is I'm going to, I'm creating a photo book. Oh, wow. Um, which is going to be coming out towards hopefully around September, November, um, September, October. But uh, the, yeah, the, the it's going to be a kind of a collection of all my work. Um, and I've been working behind the scenes i haven't uploaded very much um of the photos um but just dublin street photography basically um kind of a coffee table book that kind oh of that's thing. fantastic i didn't know you were working on either of those <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing <laughs> yeah yeah I'm kind of i've been i've been keeping the cards close to my chest yeah, for the yeah. moment just because i want to get the work done before i start talking yeah, about yeah, it yeah you know? no, i get what you mean um, yeah. but i've got a good body of work there now um and I'm trying to, you know, a mix of street photography and then like portraiture and kind of storytelling. Um, so that's kind of the the main focus at the moment. Um, and then I have a couple of other nice little projects um, that I'm tipping away on. But um, yeah, making a book, getting something printed, physical in my hand is the main aim of the next few months. Oh, fuck me. I will definitely be getting a copy. All right, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on. That was fantastic. Nice uh, I really appreciate you a coming pleasure. on. Good crap. Uh, yeah, well, I hope you enjoyed yourself. Yeah. And um, I did indeed. Make sure to check uh, Jim's workout. All right, man. Well, sure. I'll chat to you later. Peace. Thanks, Francis.